Hello, welcome back to the National Association for Primary Education podcast. It's great to be with you again. And thank you to everyone who's been involved in our Primary Education Summit so far. It was entitled Visions for the Future. And in March, we released all of our pre-recorded videos and also had our live discussion panels, which were absolutely fantastic. I really enjoyed doing that. Um, but you can still get involved if you want to. These videos are going to be available for you until spring next year. So if you go to nape.org.uk forward slash summit, gives you all the information you need and you can sign up there it's only 20 pounds or even 10 pounds if you're a NAEP member or a student now today I'm chatting to Claire Banks and she's going to be talking to me about the book A Curious Curriculum which she's co-authored with Mick Walters now Mick is also a patron of NAEP and he was also part of the education summit and you can get that obviously if you're part of that event and if you want to find out more about that his video that he did for us is called Looking Through the Eye of the Pupil, which you think might be a really sort of nice um, insight into some of the things that you're going to hear from Claire talking about the book. Now, Claire Banks, before becoming Director of Education at the Olympus Academy Trust, a cross-phase multi-academy trust in North Bristol, she was a head teacher for nine years in an inner city primary school. Now, throughout her career, she has been interested in social and emotional learning and school climate, which has led her to work on leadership culture. Claire now works on curriculum design and school improvement in a system leadership capacity, offering school-to-school support to school trusts. Her passion for succession planning for the profession has led her to coaching and mentoring aspiring heads and women in leadership programmes. Now, I really hope you enjoy this fascinating conversation, and it's all about her book and how it came about, A Curious Curriculum. Hi, Claire. Thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. It's always great to be able to talk about a living thing, especially if that's a book or, or a piece of work that people have uh, have put their sort of life and soul into based on their experience and their expertise. Yeah, so thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So first of all, give us um, a little bit of a background in terms of why did the book come into life? What is it that kind of had that impetus to kind of to get it rolling, first of all? Well, it... it we didn't. Well, it, it's, it's interesting because I started working with Mick about 10 years ago when I was a head teacher in the centre of Bristol in a, in a city school there. And uh, he came to do some work on the curriculum. And then when I moved to my current role, which is at um, Olympus Academy Trust in North Bristol, um, I wanted to do some uh, curriculum kind of audit review work and so I got in touch with him and I said hey Mick fancy coming down and helping me out with uh, some more curriculum work and um, he was really keen to come and do it because it was exciting because it was a group of schools it was something a little bit different and um, so we started this work that was back in 2017 and then probably about 18 months in Mick said do you know what? I think this might be interesting for some other people. I think there's something in this. I think the process and the journey, I think people might be interested in in hearing about it. Would you fancy writing a book? And uh, I I thought he was joking, so I, I laughed about it. And, uh, and then every time we met up, he said, you know this book? And I said, oh, stop it. Stop teasing me. And um, and then, then uh, gradually he said, "No, I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious. I think we, I think it's got legs. I think we should do it." So that's how it came about. And so we started writing a draft. We got in touch with uh, well, Crown House. We met with Crown House. They were really keen to publish it. And then we started to write, write it, and was published in November. Amazing, and and it's always great to sort of hear, like you say, that kind of that origin story of it. And it's always, mm. I think, some of the amazing things happen when they're coming out of a real life experience or or something mm. that's kind of in the world already, as it kind of sort of mm. seems to be. And then you can sort of bring it bring it back through. So, a curious curriculum. 
Where mm. did that come from? What what was the sort of the, the starting point for obviously the work you were doing before it and then the the title mm. for the book? The well we we the curious element when we were designing the curriculum with the with the group of curriculum leads across our schools and the heads, we I suppose I, I wanted I wanted something, I wanted to call it something, not just Olympus curriculum. And we were talking, we were we were trying to really find something that epitomized exactly what we were trying to do with children and curiosity was the element we we talked about intriguing we talked about a a, um, a, a curriculum that brought um learning to life we talked about all sorts of different things and curious curiosity the element of being curious that kept, kept, we kept coming we kept coming back to that and so that's that's where that came from and then then we obviously then did a little bit of kind of like digging and realized that actually um it was uh it worked on lots and lots and lots of different levels for us in terms of children being curious adults teachers being curious um and actually just the element of what we were trying to teach the children um to learn that that there was an element of curiosity within that as well so that, that's where that came from so tell us in a bit more detail what the work was you were doing in the school to begin with and then how did you sort of reframe that to make it into the book obviously it's in three sections and and sort of mm. that sort of journey so we started we we knew I knew when I when I joined um, the trust and start, looked um, across the foundation subjects that they weren't where we wanted them to be no no one thought that they were exactly and this was you know pre the, the um, uh, new Ofsted framework that focused on the curriculum and when we started to look at the um, at the foundation subjects and the and the we audited them we realized that actually the this the sequencing wasn't there the the children weren't developing and building knowledge over time um there were lots of what mick would call staccato lessons one-off art lessons one-off sort of science lesson rather than actually children being able to develop think about build on prior knowledge know where they were going and so the piece of work started we we we, we had an option we did talk about buying a, an off the peg curriculum and implementing that with mixed support but actually the more we talked about it and there's nothing wrong with that those people you know those schools that have done that is fantastic but actually what we really wanted to do was to design our own and think about um the different components that built up a curriculum a strong curriculum for us and that design and mick facilitated that so probably about 10 days every year, he would come down, he would um, do training with us, he would work with the curriculum leads. And we gradually over time, we built the we built the design of the curriculum, which is basically um, uh, it fundamentally is built around this idea of intellectual concepts, what's the big idea, what's the concept that you want the children to learn, what's the knowledge, the knowledge box, or the elements, national curriculum plus, how are you going to and ensure that that meets local need, national and also global international elements. How are you going to design a scheme of learning over time which develops the knowledge and the skills of disciplinary knowledge over time? And then we use the inquiry questions in order to be able to direct that journey, that narrative. And that's how that's gradually how it how it built up. Thinking thinking really about our substantive our disciplinary interdisciplinary knowledge and and how that fits into that structure and i guess it's like so many things isn't it you sort of think great we've got complete blank canvas we can 
put it in any way that we think works best for us based on our knowledge and mm. our understanding. But you do still then start with a blank piece of paper, effectively, don't you? Which mm. I, I guess kind of gives you the best and worst of sort of both worlds in as much as you, you, there's a lot to do. There's a lot of sort of ways to have to put this down. But at the mm. same time, like say all those little irritations or things that you might not be able to use as well. And now, like I said, an off the peg curriculum, you mm. don't have to worry about either. I, th I think there was lots of frustration in this journey. And we, we started, initially we started with this, what's our educational philosophy? What, what's, what's our USP? What, what are we trying to say with our curriculum? What, what is it that we are about? What do we fundamentally believe education for our children um, is about? And then from that, we, we came up with our pedagogical principles and then the design of the curriculum. But I think you're right, along the, along the journey, there were times when many a time when some of us just said what what we're we doing this is too hard let's just stop and buy something that's <laughs> just like why why are we why are we creating this pain for ourselves um however in that process each step of the way we were learning we were learning about the design we were learning about what we wanted we were learning about how hard it is every time somebody a teacher or a senior leader leaves and somebody else comes they've got to learn something new they've got to we've got to teach them the concept of what we're trying to do and 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 the principle behind it the philosophy behind it and so yeah the, the, those members of staff that have been with us from the beginning they absolutely buy into it they um are 100 percent committed and um for them it's kind of just second nature but we are really aware that as staff you know change and move they move on they get promotion and we have new people coming in it is you know the curriculum's never finished it is a constant there's a constant induction into our curriculum I, I, but then i suppose that's like anything isn't it when it, when you have new staff coming into any organization there needs to be indu proper induction good induction into whatever curriculum you're you're doing and so then when you were putting that in into the book how did you sort of start with that structure is it very much based on on how you were sort of planning and developing the curriculum itself or was did you need to kind of think of it from that kind of reader's standpoint mm. and that understanding standpoint from sort of a, literally a sort of a blank canvas from from an audience point of view that's a really interesting question because that changed the structure of the book changed over time initially we were going to we we initially thought that we would write a chronology start at the beginning and then just tell the story the the, the narrative of of how it happened but then we were really interested in not wasting anybody's time and curriculum can be quite um people people have very strong views around curriculum don't they and this book isn't going to be for everybody so we decided that what we would do is we would split it into parts and the first part being what the curriculum is so this is the curriculum if you like this if you're interested in this carry on reading if this isn't for you that's absolutely fine but it's probably not <laughs> no point in carrying on reading the book um, and then part two um how we've how we did it what we wish we'd known um the journey and some of the theory and the philosophy behind why we chose to do what we chose and part three the kind of we put that in that was a, a later edition the 25 pieces of advice it started off with 10 and then they just kept growing um and those were kind of the idea being that you could you know, if you wanted to skim and skip through some of the other bits, you could pick the bit, you could go to the back and you could pick that up. And that was what we wish we'd known from the start. Um, obviously, then we added in QR codes, which, you know, is a great idea. 
at the start, but that ended up being bane of my life, just trying to kind of put, put those together and, and um, to create something that actually would um, be a resource, but, but equally, and so that it illustrated what we were trying to do, but equally wasn't going to be something that people would just go and download and not think. We wanted the book to be a thinking book. We wanted it to be something that people, it challenged people's thinking and made them reflect back on their own, their own setting, their own curriculum design. Yeah, and and I guess that's a really important point, isn't it? How how kind of malleable is it in terms of of people who are like, that's great if I was going to start from scratch and I can design it all myself mm. with all this knowledge in the obviously the information you're able to share, as opposed to we have this curriculum already in place and we just like to morph it a little bit, or we'd like to take mm. certain nuggets and certain things that we can then implement. Yeah, I th- well, when we were when we were writing it, we were trying to think of a variety of audience because. I think you're right that you don't have a lot of opportunity to write something completely from scratch. Even if you're a new head teacher, there's already something something in place. Um, this was a conscious decision for us to redesign something across a group of schools, but we wouldn't keep doing that because it would be exhausting um, and a waste of time. So I think that there are, there are key bits. I think that maybe particularly something around the development of subject leaders, that that's something that could be developed and interesting for anybody who was um, thinking about um, subject leadership. Um, I think there's things around the way where curriculum meets pedagogy. You know, we this mantra, what do you want them to learn? What's the best way for them to learn it? And we, that we, I talk about that a lot. I think that fits with any curriculum. Um, I also think there's, there's, there's something in here about constantly revisiting um, the idea of um, the substantive knowledge and then um, the disciplinary element. So what does it like to be a historian, a, a geographer, and, and what happens when you're, you're, you're teaching something to children where those meet and they need to be a historian and a geographer? You know, I think that could be applied to any curriculum. And I mean, certainly from a NAEP standpoint, yeah, the idea of a sort of a child first idea of education and, and like say, taking those skills and the learning which can be developed and both applied in the here and now which is the most important thing obviously so much of education is often kind of what we're doing this because at some point later on it's going to be important and they're going to be doing the stuff in the world Mm. rather than no today's the most important day and this is what we're Mm. learning and this is what we're experiencing um but also in terms of you sort of you sort of know that that's important but by the same token you want to have that sense of well everyone's got that sense in the in the current climate of there's accountability and we have to cover certain mm-hmm. things and we have to tick box in, in in the way that we are and i think that's a difficult balance to to achieve and 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 so was that sort of first and foremost in your mind or were you able to think we can set this up as we really want to and we know this is going to achieve what it has to achieve but with the the idea of we're putting in place what we know is going to work best for the children so I think we started with the philosophy. So we started with what we believe education is about. And when we, we then started to work on the key learning intentions, that and we, we brought in secondary specialists to help us with that as well, to work alongside our primary specialists. Um, that, that was really around equity. And that was about making sure that we had pitch and expectation across our schools um, at the right level and it was ambitious and that um, it it also was around choice. So 
we have as a trust these key learning intentions in order to be able to ensure the equity across all of our of our schools and yet at school level the school then takes that and makes that their own and puts the real granular detail on that and I think that's when that's when then it can come alive particularly for that particular school or that particular teacher so we expect teachers and schools to be able to own it at that level and for teachers to be able to although the structure is there teachers to plan for the needs of the children in front of them that is really important and hopefully that's a message that comes across um, in 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 the book and and sort of one step further than that is there also enough ability there for the children to take a little bit of ownership as well in terms of like say you've got the structure you know where you are you've created the environment but for them to take any sort of lead or for them to kind of dive into something which they find interesting but like say with that kind of guidance of the teacher and 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 the sort of curriculum that you set so when the teachers um, focused on the narrative, um, they will then talk to the children about our theme. This is what we're going to be learning over time. These are the key. These are our key. Um, we call them in, our in key inquiry questions. And the children then have an opportunity to be able to start to say, well, I know this and I learned this in a previous year group. And I know this from you know um, books I've read or I'm interested in this. And so they then have an opportunity to be able to input into that as well. At the end of every theme, which is a big, you know, an old term or two half terms, we will have an exhibition. And so children then have an opportunity to be able to present and publish their work and they have ownership over that. So we we meet up in one of our secondary halls. We have all of that. So we've just had it with years five and six. Um, and next we'll, in, in May, we're having it for years three and four. And the children will have a, um, tables in a stand and displays. They will have ownership over displaying that, choosing what they want to present, writing the questions for the other children that are going to come and the adults and the parents. Um, and so they really drive that learning and the and the the outcome the aim for us is that children can talk confidently about their their learning understand why they're learning it make connections between um different subject domains um and really for it to really come alive and that's i suppose the joy when you walk into that room you can't bottle that 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 just is magical hearing children so excited about their learning dragging um teachers other adults, parents around the exhibition, um, talking about why why this is exciting, why they've done this, why they've worked and um, been learning about circulation of the heart, all of those different things about whatever it might be, civilizations, just bringing everything alive. And in terms of that sort of cross curricular element, how how sort of central is that to, to what you set up? And, and I'm always interested in, in sort of how that happens, especially with sort of the STEM subjects and everything as well. Do you still sort of have to have a certain amount of time, which is very specific in, in those sort of subject areas, but then sort of build them in, like say, as the themes start to develop? Yeah, I think we, 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 we do warp and weft really. So um, where things really connect and meet, then it makes complete sense to teach that substantive disciplinary knowledge, but the interdisciplinary element together, where it's really important that there something doesn't sit alongside it, it needs to be taught discreetly. And you know, we're really open and honest about that, that actually this is gonna be taught separately, it's gonna be taught discreetly, it's not gonna be connected. So I think that we don't have we don't have a binary view on that. It's not one or the other, it's a combination. And I think that's all 
the organicness of that, like you say, because it may well change, like you say, project to project, year on year, and I guess everything of this is always sort of morphing, isn't it? And I'm, I would imagine with a number of schools that are kind of fully in, engaged in it, things are going to come to light in the sort of the coming months, weeks, years, um, that are just a, an even better idea, another way that you can take a step forward, which just just means that it gets exciting for even more for you as well as someone who sort of helps set it up as well as the people that are actually implementing it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you know, the curriculum is never finished, is it? It's just always changing. You're always looking for new ideas to make it better, develop it. Um, and as I said, you know, you have new teachers coming on, you know, new, uh, new ways, new pieces of information that you want to uh, research that you want to bring into your curriculum. And, and also on, on top of that, we also are really keen to encourage, so we use um, uh, texts a lot. So they're always new texts that we want to bring into the children to support um, their learning and to encourage them um, to be able to bring that learning alive. Um, and we, we, we feel really strongly that when teachers are planning, when they're, when they're thinking about meeting the needs of the children um, in front of them, they've got this expectation, they've got the key learning intentions, they've got the pitch and expectation from, from um, that we've set in each of the subject domains. And it's their professionalism that makes those links. We don't want, we don't want tenuous curriculum links. We don't want teachers, um, you know, we talk about it in the book, but, you know, we don't want 30 Roman shields that are on a bit of, you know, cardboard from the back of a cereal packet neither historically accurate nor developing art skills so we're not talking about that kind of project base we're talking about thinking about where um, subject domains cross so if you're talking about civilizations then you need to be a historian you need to understand you know key facts and knowledge around history but you also need to understand geography so what's the big idea around civilizations what's the key elements that you need to be able to understand with that and that and those are some of the things that we've been working on with our with our teachers to think more deeply about why you would work in in that interdisciplinary way rather than just well that's a nice activity so it's learning led, not activity driven. Yeah, I, I really like that because as a musician myself, so so often it's that kind of, oh, we're doing this particular topic area now. Let's see how we can do some kind of music that sort of relates because it kind of does it. And so often, you know, it's better than not doing any music at all, which sadly is the case in, in some situations. But there's so much which is just inherently in music that you can touch on in relation to other projects and things that are going on, but it doesn't have to be shoehorned in, in a particular way just because that's my focus this particular term because I think, you, like I say, you get the worst of both worlds, really, rather than the best of them. A hundred percent. One thing I've never spoken about on the podcast, so I thought this was really interesting when I came across this, was with this idea of succession planning. Um mm. And tell me a little bit your sort of thoughts on that, and sort of and sort of your experience and, and what your beliefs are on it. So, so what I, I suppose I suppose when you're in a multi academy trust, um, you've got quite you've got good opportunity to be able to develop succession planning. One of the ways that we have been thinking about doing that is around subject specialism and around how we can really support teachers to be able to. Um, work across our school so for instance we have some um a couple of very very good art subject leaders and so we would we we have subject leader networks and we would pair up other less experienced art leaders 
with those experienced art leaders um, so that they would be able to support and develop them and then, you know, um, buddy them up so that they would then be able to step in. So that's that's on kind of like a, a subject leader element area. We also try to promote this idea of you could come into a trust as an ITT or an ECT and you could end up as executive head or director of education because there's enough opportunity within the organisation to be able to be promoted within if you wanted to be what we really want to do is to support teachers in in developing the skills and give them the opportunities to be develop their professional portfolio so that they're able to apply for the next stage of their career and we will support them within the trust to be able to move within our schools um, in order to, to develop that and if that also means um, that they need to develop um particular expert skills, i.e. working with Mick Waters, we've had Alistair Bryce Clegg, um, other um, educational gurus, um, then we provide that opportunity to come in, for them to come in, um, support our schools, support those leaders in, in being able to develop their their um, expertise. And you mentioned before that maybe the book isn't for everybody. So we should mm. probably just sort of clarify exactly what what, mm. what that is. So in terms of what you'd expect people to sort of get as they start to enter the book and, and what their perceptions are to begin with, why is it that maybe it wouldn't be for everybody? And, and why should people then also take that interest and, and at least sort of get involved in the understanding of why it's been produced? I think we are really clear at the beginning that this is what we what we're not saying is that this is the way it's a way and let's open up the curriculum debate let's open up the debate around curriculum design and let's um start thinking about what what we personally believe in our organization what education is about the educational philosophy the pedagogical principles now um I know in a you know a variety of leaders who very much believe that the, um, the curriculum should be in subject domains they don't they don't believe in that interdisciplinary way and that's fine that's not the way we've chosen to design our curriculum but if that's your belief then you know that that, that that's absolutely fine and there's a but this book probably wouldn't suit you if that if you only think want to think about um, sort of siloed subject knowledge we also within the book talk a lot about the range of pedagogy and around what is the best way for teachers to to be able to deliver and to teach children specific elements so depending on what you want them to to learn what's the best way for them to learn that and opening up that debate and really thinking about the delivery um, um at point and i know that you know i i've got colleagues that actually have a much more rigid framework for teaching um have very much you know believe that every lesson should start with direct instruction um etc and that isn't what this book is that we, we don't we say that direct instruction teacher exposition um purposeful practice they're all important but they but what we're saying in the book is that we believe that it's in the in the right pedagogical approach for the right delivery of particular knowledge and the right age yeah, of course. And and I think one of the things that I've heard a lot recently is the sense that we want to give the trust and the professionalism to the people that are working in our schools. And it sounds from what you've been saying that that's exactly what you're empowering them to do, because you've got the structure, you've got the environment, but there's also that 
breadth and that understanding and the ability to sort of allow teachers and, and the children from, from the excitement that you were saying in terms of sort of the projects and, and how they're sort of going to be able to share that with everybody that actually you're empowering them to do that in a way which is fully supported and I, that really must feel like the best of both worlds for people. I, I think so I mean I think depending on where you are in your career and how much support you need um, I think we we will put less or more support in so if you're um, um, ITT and ECT and you early career you need more support then we will we've got teaching and learning leads across the trust and experts that will help you with planning will help you with all of that detail but on more experienced teachers they don't need that support and I don't I don't want to disempower them by giving them um, specific lesson plans they're more than capable of planning their lessons and delivering that and bringing their own expertise to those and we've designed our curriculum in order to be able to cater for both so we can swing and give put more structure in place if it's needed but we also um, are able for teachers to be able to deliver um, what they want to deliver um, in the way that they is best for the children in front of them as well and just to finish off and this, this is probably a whole nother podcast but just sort of in, in in a nutshell do you think is it easier because you're able to do this across multiple schools because you've got lots of different elements and different people that can actually take this forward as opposed to we're, we're designing it for maybe six or eight classes or whatever it happens to be um or or is it or was it the way around? Is it harder because you're having to cater for so many different situations? Um, well, having done it in both as a head of a LA maintained school, and I th I think it's different challenges. I mean, Mick would talk very very openly about you know he believes that anybody could pick up the book whether or not you're a subject leader or whether or not you're a head teacher a curriculum designer or you are a director of education or exec head across multiple schools i think that the challenge is is different i think that if you are um looking across multiple schools you have a wealth of breadth of knowledge curriculum leaders there are more you know more people to be able to bring to the table to talk that is fantastic but that also brings challenge because you've got more voices so you you then have more opinions particularly it's harder to manage and yet um within a single school i think um the conversation may well be slightly easier because there are less people to be able to work with and so therefore that may well be easier however you might not necessarily always um you might need to seek outside to bring some specific expertise in from from other local schools from other local areas and, and i guess the book could really help with that because like you say you, you've got that all expertise coming <laughs> coming in so tell people where they can get hold of the book and uh, and sort of the best way to get it get in contact if they need to so the book is um, published by Crown House, and so it's available on their from their website, and um, it's also available on on Amazon as well. And if people are interested in getting in touch with Crown House, I know that for groups of schools they will do a, a discount. So if you were thinking about using it um, in a, a in a trust or um, across a group of schools, or or even a, a, you know a staff a staffing group. Um, and you wanted more than a couple of copies then they would be they'd be keen to do uh, i think they do something like a 15 or 20 percent discount 
Fantastic. Well, Claire, thank you so much for joining me. And it's always fascinating for me just to, to hear that journey and that process. And, and as I said earlier on, it's great when it, it comes out of a real life situation and then knowing that there's mm-hmm. there's so much to share for people that um, can just get excited about it. And like I say, that sort of spark of, of, of interest and understanding about how that might affect their life. Yeah. So thanks so much for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure.